This is Live On Purpose Radio, episode 589, Live Big Without Sacrifice, with Rochelle Seltzer. Now is the only time to create and live the life you love. I'm Dr. Paul Jenkins, the positivity psychologist. My job is to connect you to powerful positive psychology principles that immediately upgrade your relationships, business, and mental health. Are you ready? Let's jump in. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Live on Purpose Radio. This is Dr. Paul, the shrink who expands your life with another episode of Live on Purpose Radio. And talk about expanding your life. Rochelle Seltzer is all about that. In fact, the title of her book is Live Big. And that's what we've grabbed for the title of this episode, too. Welcome, Rochelle, to, to Live on Purpose Radio. What a fun day this is getting to talk to you, Dr. Paul. We've had a couple of opportunities to interact. In fact, I got to know you through uh, a program that we're both enrolled in right now with Michelle Villalobos. She's my current coach. And you guys have heard me say this before. Coaches need coaching. And I have personally committed to make sure that I am engaging with the most brilliant, empowering coaches on the planet so that I can bring that to you. And that's where I met you, Rochelle, which is one of the benefits of of getting in that lane, you know, because you get into a lane, you're going somewhere and you encounter the other people who are going there too. And I think we're finding that there's a lot of overlap in what we're doing. Would you just take a moment to share a, a few little tidbits about who you are and what you're doing so that our audience can get a little feel for that. Oh, thanks. I am um, love talking about this topic, and I love that we have so much in common and that we've made this great connection. I'll just tell you my mission, it's to enlighten the world about the power of creativity. Not mm. a small mission, right? What that is, and the fact that each of us came into the world filled with creativity, we don't begin to tap this power that we have. And when we can start with um, understanding that, embracing that, um, activating all of that power within us is when we can show up fully, fully express, bring all of our gifts, learn to do this without sacrificing our, and stressing ourselves. There's so much potential. And when everybody, my dream, although I'm starting primarily with accomplished women as my focal point, I think women are leading the way. And my dream is that this is how we change the world. When each of us brings more of our gifts forward, fully embracing our power to boldly show up, authentically show up, and and um, live with joy and live with love and live without fear and be able to step into all that power, the world will change. The ripple effects are going to be incalculable. And that's my dream. I love that dream. Thank you. And and I share that dream in so many ways. And one of the reasons that you are here on this mic with me today, Rochelle, is because when you speak, you're not speaking platitudes or trite, fluffy <laughs> phrases that you might hear from some motivational speaker or guru on the stage. You're coming from your life experience. 
And there is a story there because you were the woman that you want to help now. <laughs> you bet I am. <laughs> and you've had a bit of a journey. Would you share uh, that journey with us? Why is it that you're so passionate about this? You know, I started my life, I owned a business for 27 years. I was a graphic designer. I had a marketing communication firm. I was very proud of the work that we did. And back in 2009, 2010, when that terrible recession hit, I realized that I needed to get some help. I wanted to keep my people employed. I wanted us to pull through. And part of my family's story, because my father was a refugee from Europe was and super proud of everything he did, was you don't get help. If you're smart enough and you work hard enough, you do it yourself. Mm. And so when you were just talking about the importance of having a coach, that's when I hired my very first coach. And the funny thing is I hired a business wow. coach to help me with my business, having no idea that it was going to absolutely shine a light on how I was leading, how I was showing up in the world, where I was keeping myself small, all the ways I didn't trust myself, all the ways that I didn't think I was good enough, smart enough. Uh, all the doubts. And when you wake up in your life like that, you start to have an awareness rather than what I call drifting, which is what most people do. They drift through their lives. Mm. And as I woke up in my life, I realized that as proud as I was of that business and we did pull through, but it wasn't really exciting to me, to me anymore. And mm. why was I doing something that wasn't lighting me up? And mm. I made the decision to sell my business and I did it quickly. And the funny thing is I had no idea where it was going to take me. And I trusted myself for the first time. I truly trusted myself to find my path. And what I started to pay attention to was the fact that there I was, an award-winning designer, creative person that everybody admired. But deep down inside, I was terrified to create anything that was personally expressive. Sure, I could do great creative work for my clients, but there was this gap inside of me. and it started to dawn on me that that was something I should pay attention to. And you know, when you're ready and they, they say the teacher appears, mm -hmm. the next teacher appeared for me. And it was a, a psychiatrist in Israel whose work is centered on the power of creativity. And I studied with him for two years. I learned his methodology for psychocreative therapy but that's not licensed in this country. And it wasn't really what I wanted to do. But I loved what I learned. I mm. loved everything I learned there about creativity and its power as a mindset, as well as an expressive tool. Mm -hmm. And I created a coaching practice called Creative Core Coaching based on everything I studied, everything I lived, everything I believed, because I was living a completely different life than I had been before. And I wanted to help other great women do that. Isn't it interesting? And I've, I've heard this story from so many people that as you were looking at your business and you realized, I need some help here. Mm -hmm. And I was in a similar place, Rochelle. I was at a point where I realized that apparently I'm an idiot. <laughs> I doubt that. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean that in the most loving way because I... Uh, I, I I didn't even know what I didn't know. Yes, I get that. And, totally get that. <laughs> and so you were looking where you thought to look. You know, you had somebody to coach you on this business, not knowing at the time that it was a personal development journey. Mm -hmm. 
but you get in the door and then you discover, oh, it's about me. And this is both good news and bad news. <laughs> I mean, the bad news is obvious. It's like, what? It's me. <laughs> but the good news is, oh, well, I drive me. So maybe there's something that we can do with this. And, and so you, have, you made these discoveries, which you are now passionate about sharing with other people. And I have seen that as a consistent pattern, too. In fact, I've... I've taught in some of my programs that there's a five-part process by which principles, and when I say principles, I mean natural laws, the, the things that govern the universe, mm -hmm. by which those principles get into our lives. And it's mm -hmm. encounter, you have to discover them somewhere, right. recognize, so it's got to resonate with you at some level as truth, embrace and that's where you start to reprogram your own neural pathways mm -hmm. through practice and repetition. Live, because it doesn't matter if it's in your heart and head until it gets into your shoes mm -hmm. and it actually walks around in your life. You get to apply that. And then the last step is to share. Oh, that's so beautiful. It's wonderful. And I see you as an embodiment of all of that because as you just you encountered these principles, you didn't even know what they were to start with. Mm -hmm. And you, you then recognized and started to embrace and reprogram living those principles because you preach what you practice and oh, you boy. practice what you preach. Yeah. Right. And then sharing, because I, I have experienced this, too. You can't leave it alone. It's like this has made such a huge transformational difference for me that I feel almost compelled or called or even obliged at some level to share it with other people. I totally, totally, totally relate to every word you just said. It feels as though it would be actually selfish of me to not bring this into the world and help other people. And it's so gratifying to work with amazing women who have either had a hit to their confidence, can't figure out what's next, um, have too many ideas, where do I focus, whatever it may be, mm -hmm. and help them to really harness their clarity and harness their power and start creating that future that really will fulfill them. And then they bring yes. they spread that energy, they model it for other people, they lead their teams, whatever it may be. And this is where it filters and it filters and filters. Yeah. Well, earlier you said this is this is how we change the world. Yeah. And you are absolutely right about that. Yeah. This, this comes from real people applying their creative energy to their own lives. But it doesn't stop there because then at some point it branches out and it affects everyone that we touch. And that's what lights me up about this kind of work. So I'm going to guess that your evolution has touched the people around you in palpable, noticeable ways. Because it certainly has for me. My kids, mm. spouse, my siblings, my friends, people notice and they pick up on it. They absolutely do. And um, you know me well enough, Rochelle, to know that I create models for things. Yes. <laughs> and, and even that, what you're talking about now, uh, it, it affects all seven of our key relationships. Mm. Now that triggers something in your mind too. You're like, what are the seven key relationships? Yeah, I don't care. <laughs> right? 
and and just see if we're on the same page with this too, because I think we might be. Our seven key relationships are in this order of priority, our creator. That's first. And I'm not here as your spiritual guide or ecclesiastical mm-hmm. leader. I'm just acknowledging we need to come to terms as humans with our source. What is that for you? Our creator. Next is our self. Mm-hmm. And some people skip that one. Mm-hmm. They, they don't even realize it's a relationship. But, That's you know, right. I've asked people before, if I treated you the way you treat you, would we still be friends? <laughs> I love that. That's great. (laughs) It is definitely a relationship. It affects all the others. Yeah. That's what triggered this for me, Rochelle, because you're saying, you know, have you seen that it branches out and it touches? Yes. It touches all seven of your key relationships. So self is second. And you went into that business coaching, not realizing this was a personal development journey. Mm -hmm. But you figured that out. And then it affects all the others, too. So third is your spouse or partner. Mm -hmm. And some people don't have one of those. And the the list simply compacts around whatever's not there for you. But this is the order of the ones that we have. So spouse is next. Then children, if you have children. They're number four. Number five is your extended family. So the people you didn't necessarily choose, but here they are in your life. Yeah. And then we jump over to the other hand. So there's there's five on this hand, and then there's two over on this hand. Number six is other people outside of your family. Mm-hmm. And number seven is things, including property and money. Hmm. And we do have a relationship there. It's called That's stewardship. Great. Okay, and and it's handy for me at least that we have these on two different hands because as long as you're focusing on or creating value for the first five, your creator, yourself, your spouse, your children, and your extended family, there's no economic transaction. Mm-hmm. But as soon as we jump over to the other side and start creating value and sharing these principles with other people, like the amazing women that you're working with. There's also an economic transaction Mm. that happens. And I tell uh, all of the practitioners that I certify that if God put it in your heart, if you feel called to do this, then you have to do it. And it's either going to be a service project or we find an economic engine to run the mission. Right. And that's what creating value is all about on the those last two key relationships where you're working with other people outside of your family and things property so at least for me that's where it touches all of these and i I, i'm talking too much now i want to hear a little bit more about what some of your thoughts are about that well i couldn't agree with you more and i it's interesting to me that you that you had the the five on one hand and the two on the other. Um, my focus has not been as much on the on the stewardship part of the equation, and it's it's giving me good food for thought. It's very interesting. I appreciate that. Mm. Um, I do think that we have um, we have. If, if you don't mind me segueing a little bit, to, please to talking more about the way I think about creativity. Mm-hmm. So we have 
two different kinds of um, realms here that we can think about. Most people who meet me and they know that my work has to do about with creativity, that I so often people say, oh, but I'm not creative. They feel like they need to get that out uh, of the way. Or, well, I like to mm -hmm. play the guitar, but nah, I'm not really creative. And it kind of hurts my heart to hear that. And it also by now doesn't surprise me because I think that the conception is that you have to be, you know, a world-class, you know, Oscar-worthy actor or a musician or, you know, an artist who's got galleries all over the world, you know, to be called a writer or whatever, to be called an artist or to be called a creator or to feel creative. Mm. And part of what I'd love people to understand is what I've already said is that you you were born full of it. <laughs> Each of us was. We came into the world brimming with creativity. Yes. And before things got messaged to us in one way or another that we weren't creative, we just were normally expressive. We knew what mm. we wanted. We knew what we wanted to say. We knew how we wanted to play. We knew what, we, what colors we wanted to play with. Now, in my case, I was shut down very, very, very young because my mother was an artist and my mother was highly um, discerning. I'll, I'll say this in a kind way. I always felt that mm. she was, oh, you should just do that again. You can do that better. I know you can pick better colors. I know that you can make a prettier house than that. And it shut me down because I felt that I could never live up to her expectations and I could yeah. never please her. So that's where, for me, when they say, oh, little kids who can always, you know, make pictures, that stopped for me much younger. I noticed, however, with my own children, they were free and expressive. And then come like first or second grade, there was the kid that sat in the desk next to them who could draw these amazing dinosaurs. And my little boy couldn't draw a dinosaur that was that great. So he said, well, you know, so-and-so is a great artist, not me. So there's one way or another that people get yeah. shut down. I had a client once who told me that she went to parochial school and the nuns in second grade told her that she could not draw. So she writes, she's a brilliant writer, but she had this belief that she couldn't use color, she couldn't draw. And when she had a different experience, she actually, tears were falling down her face because mm. she just didn't believe it was possible for her. So we have the ability to find joy in expressive creativity any way we want. Could be in cooking, could be in your garden could be in a workshop, can be with knitting needles, can be with an open mic night, you know, or singing karaoke. It doesn't really matter. All of that is a way that your true essence gets to be expressed and you get to move emotion with that kind of expressive creativity. And you get to open your heart and you get to connect your intuition and you light yourself up because you're doing something that you enjoy. So it doesn't matter whether you strum that guitar and somebody wants to put you on a stage or not. If you get pleasure from learning that music and doing that to, to you know, clear your head at the end of the day, bravo, that's wonderful. So the first side is that expressive side. The second mm. side of the coin, if you want, the way that I think about it is right between the two ears, the mindset of a creator. People yes. have no idea how much capacity they have to think creatively, to respond creatively instead of reacting. If you slow down and you say, gosh, this is an unfortunate situation or somebody just gave me a terrible ultimatum, what do I want to create as the next best step for me? What is possible that they haven't thought of or that I haven't thought of? 
And right. you know, when you think about what's the next creative step and option and opportunity that you have, you have the next one right after it and right after it. And we can keep creating all day, every day. New ways of pr- proceeding through a problem, new ways of looking at an opportunity, new ways of having a conversation. There's constant opportunity for us if we really appreciate that we can be creators and we don't rush through our days and miss the opportunity to reflect and create. I think I'm hearing in what you're saying, Rochelle, that the ter- if, if we were to use the term creative person, mm-hmm. that would be redundant. <laughs> yeah, because it's innate in us, right? Because it's part of the definition yeah. of being a human. You are yeah. a creator. Even, even to say I could become a creator, uh, I think you already are. You are. Let's just draw it out. Let's just, ex- you know, expand it. So I think I heard that correctly from you. You see that in people. They may not, they might not see it in themselves. Yeah. But you know that it's there somewhere. And it's interesting. You pointed out that, you know, we show up on the planet and we're brimming with creativity. Kindergartner, kindergartens are full of astronauts and artists and (laughs) dancers and right. I mean, it's all in them. And then life beats us up. And somehow we let go of our own identity as a creator. And I see the work that you're doing as inviting people back to who they actually are, to their divine nature as a creator, and then helping them maybe to steer that in some direction. The the title of your your book is Live Big. And and you give a keynote called Live Big Without Sacrifice. Right. Right? Talk to us about that piece yeah. a little bit. I, I get that it's possible for us. It's in our being. Yeah. But then there's a fear, too. I think that's what you're addressing when you get to well, the word sacrifice. I think what right? happens is that many of us are overwhelmed in our lives. We, mm. we are kind of um, feeling at the beck and call of the people we work for, of people who have expectations of us. Many of us are people pleasers. We want to be nice. We want to be liked. And we keep taking on more and more. I particularly see this with a lot of professional women who have really a lot of obligations and opportunities, and they feel overwhelmed. And in the worst case, that leads to not only stress, but burnout. So the three kind of um, pieces that I address in my keynote called Live Big Without Sacrifices, the first is being equal space and grace. You have to create appreciation for the fact that you're a human being. We are human beings, but we spend most of our time doing. And so how do we nurture ourselves? How do we actually take care of ourselves? How do we feel worthy and deserving of time for our own health, um, happiness, you know, what brings us joy? You know, we, we shortchange ourselves from a lot of that. And it starts with owning that and I, and I teach a lot about the power of self-love and how to cultivate self-love and how to feel that it's not selfish, that every one of us really needs to love ourselves fully. So that's a foundational piece. The second piece is about how do we multiply time? Most of us think if I just get a little bit more productive, get some more time management tools and squeeze all the productivity out of every minute, I'll get it all done. And 
I think there's a terrible misconception there because trying to live that way is exhausting. So what's on your to-do list right now that you either said yes to because it seemed important at the time, but it doesn't really excite you anymore, or you said yes to it to, you know, make somebody else happy, or, you know, you were Whatever for whatever reason, there are plenty of things in our to-do list that don't really belong there if we take a careful look at them. Mm. And so the first thing we can do is we can get rid of those. The next thing that we can do is we can look at things that we still want to do, but they're not urgent now. So we can defer them. We can also delegate. We can ask for help and delegate in ways that most people feel I can do it better myself. I know how I like it done, so I can I'll do it my own way. Um, it's a sign of weakness to ask for help. You know, there are lots of stories we tell ourselves. And the truth is that when you get help, and this is a lesson I learned really when I hired my first coach, that getting help is a game changer. It's a life changer. Oh, yeah. And it frees you up. And other people can often do something better and faster than you can, even if it might not be the way you would do it. But we can get help from people that, in our families, people that work for us or with us, people in our communities and our friends, and we can pay people to help us. And when you can look at all of those opportunities and say yes to them, then you can actually declare that you belong on the top of your list and that you, (laughs) that what belongs on the top of your list for you and put it there. Mm. And there's space on that list now. It's not crammed. It's not overwhelmed. I call this multiplying time. I'm also getting from what you're sharing here, Rochelle, that live big does not mean do more. No, and it doesn't mean, I mean, it could mean for some people to have the Maserati or the mansion. I And that's fine. I have no judgment. To me, living big is living your biggest, most expressive, full life I mean, the subtitle of my book is a a manifesto for a creative life. How do you create the life that that is going to be your big life where you're not keeping yourself small and you're not overwhelmed and you're fully showing up with space for yourself where you can do the most good, where you can bring your gifts forward and have your biggest impact. Yes. That's what it's about. Where you can say with confidence that you love your life. That's it. That's it. That's That's living big, isn't it? Yeah. And really knowing that you're showing up. Right. Yeah. Uh, I got one more little little dimension to that. Yeah. (laughs) The third dimension, the third tool, if you will, is to be able to set boundaries that honor yourself. And that setting boundaries can be loving to yourself and to other people. And it can be done with kindness. And I talk about how to do that. Yeah. You know, it it can feel restrictive, but it's also very liberating. I think of the analogy of a a kite string, right? A kite string. Does that hold the kite down? Well, (laughs) in a way, I guess it does, but the kite can't fly without that resistance, without that boundary, without that restriction. Yeah. Yeah. Is it, and if you don't believe this, go put a kite up in the air and cut the string. See what happens. Yeah, right. <laughs> it doesn't fly higher. It 
tumbles to the ground. So I think of boundaries in a similar way. It's it's a healthy way to say, this is where I can soar. This is what's healthy and good and and what promotes that life that I can love. Rochelle, we could probably talk for hours and maybe we will. (laughs) Because we're involved in some experiences where we get to hang out with each other occasionally. And I'm so grateful for that and that you accept an invitation to come on the mic here and, and uh, provide this abundance for our listeners. How can they connect with you if they would like to explore this a little more about living big? Is your website the best place? The website is the perfect place. Uh, There are plenty of places where you can just book time with me. We can just have a conversation. I always think the best things in the world happen in a conversation. And Mm -hmm. I always welcome that. Um, I actually, I was tempted, Rochelle. When I went to your website, I'm almost like, I'm going to click that button. And I remember, I've already got an appointment to talk to (laughs) Rochelle. (laughs) But you do have a button there that says, hey, let's have a conversation. If people click on that, they get to talk to you. Yeah. That is so, so cool. I, I truly welcome that. There's also a link right on the homepage if you scroll down to get information about the book. There's a digital version of the book. There's this beautiful paper version of the book. Um, I'm very, very gratified that uh, Seth Godin endorsed the book. It's I noticed it's that. Pride. Um, and what he really highlighted was the Discovery Dozen tool, which is throughout the book. Um, it's a tool that you can use in your life. It's my greatest gift. I think it's to bring Mm. that tool and watch all the ways that people have used it and benefited from it. So absolutely hope that people can check that out. Let's get you to the right place, folks. And there will be a link in the show notes, Rochelle, R-O-C-H-E-L-L-E, Seltzer, S-E-L-T-Z-E-R, and put a little dot com after that and you'll find everything we're talking about. Rochelle, you've also got a, a PDF for folks called creating space for you. And I think that's very valuable too. You guys, if you just click, it'll be obvious where you need to go once you get to the website, but go, go look at what Rochelle's doing there, especially if this conversation has resonated with you. And I know Rochelle, you're available for speaking and for guest interviews, like what we're doing here today. Absolutely. Yeah. I um, love speaking to, to audiences. I love being on podcasts. It's the way that I get to, to reach more people and have my biggest impact. You get to share that abundance with others. I think it's time to live big, folks. Do you agree? If you agree, take what you've learned here today and let's go apply it. It's time to live on purpose. Did you get what you came for? Give yourself the gift of taking real action on what you realized today. Please share this episode with someone you know would value it. And leave us a rating, too. It's time now to live on purpose.